I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. For 30 years now, five nights a week, millions of Americans stay up past their bedtime to catch David Letterman's razor-sharp spin on the news of the day. His groundbreaking brand of offbeat humor brought us stupid pet tricks, outrageous gags, Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band, and the hugely popular Top Ten list. Tonight, I'm in the Midwestern town of Muncie, Indiana, home to David Letterman's beloved alma mater, Ball State University. For over 20 years, he's provided scholarships here to deserving broadcasting students. I met him on campus at the $21 million state-of-the-art communications building that bears his name. What do you think? Hey! Uh This is good, eh? Very nice. So thanks for agreeing to do it here. I think this is a perfect place, actually. Well, good, good. Uh, I, uh, I mean, well. We get to see another side of you. No, you're not going to see anything. You're not going to see anything here, Opal. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Dave. Yeah, you didn't see anything. So we're here at your alma mater, Ball State That's University, right. mm-hmm. in the David Letterman Communication and Media Center. Yeah. We just walked into this building. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Named <clears throat> after you. Named for me, yes. Uh, This is something that I uh, did for my mother. Uh, The president of the university, Joanne Gora, this was an idea that uh, I believe she and my mother conspired to accomplish. To have a building named after her. Yeah, and I sort of felt like, let's just wait till I drop dead, and then you can name whatever you want after me or name nothing after me. But it is now such a, a, a incredible source of, of pride for me, and it's, it's one of the great things of my life. So when you came here in 1965, radio and television as a major certainly was not a popular career path. No. And uh, you chose it because? I, because I knew that I wanted to somehow be in broadcasting. And when, when did you know that? Uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. David grew up in Indianapolis, the only son of Joe, a florist, and Dorothy, a church secretary, the middle child between two sisters. As a boy in the 1950s, David spent hours watching TV greats like Arthur Godfrey, Steve Allen, and Johnny Carson. When did you first know you were funny? Well, um, I'm still waiting for the results. <laughs> <laughs> but you had to know somewhere. In your conscious, well, subconscious, you knew you were funny, Dave. Well, like, like I had a, b- a bunch of buddies, and yeah. they were all funny. Yeah. So it, it, didn't, it didn't seem like it. Uh, my father was the funny one. He was the lightning rod. He got all yeah. of the attention. He was funny. My grandfather was funny, uh, but I never had the confidence to say to anybody, hey, look at this, I'm pretty funny, because I, n- I never felt that way. What was your first broadcasting job? Uh, well, I worked right here at the uh, radio station, the college station, uh, WBST, I think was the name of the college radio station. And when I worked at, in television in Indianapolis, they didn't like me, and, and I, had to <laughs> s- I had to sit there. It's hard to be on TV if people don't like you, as you know. Well, I've done it for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> David landed his first job on TV as a local news anchor 
and weatherman in Indianapolis. He also hosted a weekly late-night movie fest. At age 28, he quit his job and moved to Los Angeles. He quickly found a home at the Comedy Store. David honed his stand-up skills next to another up-and-comer, Jay Leno. David had his life-altering moment when a Tonight Show producer booked him to perform for his idol, Johnny Carson. Do you remember it? Do you remember everything about it? Yes, remember everything about it. Uh, and I did, I did well, and I got to go sit with Johnny, and, and uh, it, was, it was crazy, just crazy. And you, you get that, that surge of electricity that you think, well, God, if this doesn't dissipate, I, I won't be asleep till Labor Day. You know, it's just, <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you're, it's like now I'm sitting next to Oprah Winfrey. Oh, then man. I was sitting next to Johnny Carson. Yeah. And this is, this, we're not kidding around. No. Uh, and I was lucky enough to get invited back and back and back. So that was good. You all became good friends. Well, I, he was very sweet to me. He, he would invite uh, me to his house. Uh, we would go out to dinner. But I was always nervous. I was just, I, I couldn't relax around him. Uh, and, and because I knew that Johnny uh, had a uh, love-hate relationship with alcohol. And a couple of times we'd be out to dinner and I saw him go to the vodka. Uh -huh. And then you could just see a little edge kind of appear and I thought, I don't want to be around here if all of a sudden Johnny decides he's had enough of me. <laughs> it was always, if he doesn't like me. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I always felt like a pretender because I never wanted to disappoint him. I, I just that. thought if I, I say that. something stupid, adios. Do you think he was the kind of person anybody could ever really get to know? Well, I don't, I don't think that I ever really got to know him. I, I knew him from being on the show. I knew him from the few... Uh, do you think you're the kind of guy people can get to know? I, I think there's a, a, a group of people that I've worked with for 30 years who I'm very, very, very comfortable with and around whom my behavior seems... Normal. It's, it's just Dave. Yeah. You bring an intern in who doesn't know what's going on and, and they got stories for the rest of their life. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. are you hard? To work uh, with? Not hard, but just peculiar. 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 Give yeah. me a peculiarism. Well, I, I remember uh, the, the interns. We have so many of them, and and it's always you know, hi Bob, hi Kenny, and we haven't had a Bob or a Kenny <laughs> work for us ever. Yeah, yeah. And so now they can go around and say, and that. So the first day I meet him, he's calling me Kenny. <laughs> In 1991, after 30 years of hosting The Tonight Show, rumors leaked that late-night giant Johnny Carson was considering retirement. The news sparked a high-stakes battle to fill Johnny's coveted seat. Just days before Carson confirmed he was stepping down, NBC told Jay Leno he had won the late-night fight. David Letterman went on to strike a multi-million dollar deal with CBS. His new show would tape in New York and air opposite Jay Leno. For the past 20 years, the two comic legends and rivals have gone head-to-head -head in the ratings with an almost even split. So you sat in all those years. Everybody expected you to be the heir. Did you also, in your somewhere in your subconscious, think you would be the heir? Not subconscious. I had a meeting, and they said, uh, we want you to take Johnny's job, Yeah. Uh, and we're here's how we're going to do it. We just want to make sure that you're interested in this. And, uh, and then we're going to call the so-and-so, and then we think that it'll be a combination where you start filling in, and then eventually Johnny goes out. So they had this conversation. We had two, two meetings, and, and I finally said, this is great. I said, have, have, you told, have you mentioned this to Johnny? And they said, well, no, we haven't, we haven't mentioned this to Johnny. And I said, well, 
you know, I, I can't have this conversation until you, I know that it's okay with Johnny. And that's the last I heard. So it wasn't just me wanting and hoping. Uh, there was a conversation. They had, they had reached out to me. But I understand that what they wanted was completely self-serving. They wanted to continue to maintain the show so that they could make a lot of money. Now, what NBC wanted turned out to be something different. So I really, I can't complain about that, you know. You can't force somebody to want you. Did you think you deserved to have that spot? Deserved? No. no. Should have had. Mm, I was disappointed that I didn't get it. But I, but I never thought, oh, I never felt like something had been ripped from my hands. Okay. That's a fair answer. Okay. So, you know, there is an assumption over the years that because you didn't get it and Jay Leno did, that that's where the rivalry between the two of you started. Is that true? No. That's no. not true. Jay and I were friends. Mm -hmm. We were always friends before all of this happened. He has a way. He's an unusual fellow. I've, I've never met anyone quite like Jay. And I will say, and I'm happy to say, that I think is the funniest guy I've ever known. Just flat out, if you go to see him do his nightclub act, just the funniest, the smartest, wonderful observations, just and, and very appealing as a comic. Therefore, the fact that he is also maybe the most insecure person I have ever known, I could never reconcile that. You're the best. Why are you doing things to, to support this insecurity? Everybody Why thinks you're insecure, too. Not to the degree this man is. This, this is the guy that is documented as hiding in a closet while they were having a business meeting at NBC uh, to decide who would get the Tonight Show chair. So I'm not hidden in closets. <laughs> not for that purpose. <laughs> I've, I found myself, sadly, in closets. <laughs> but not for that purpose. Not for that purpose. So your reason for, you, for the rivalry is because of his, Jay's, insecurity? Well, how it manifests itself. Okay. And that's all I want to say about that. Okay. Because uh, I, I just tell you this. When we were all kids, and I do still think Jay and I are friends. I, I would, would he think so, too? I think so. Really? I think so, because I got too much on him. You know, <laughs> when, he, when he and I were kids and somebody would uh, go on like the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. And if you didn't do well, yeah. Jay would come, hey, did you see Larry on the Merv Griffin show? No, I didn't. Yeah, I got a tape back at the house. Come on back, we'll take a look at it. And, and he would invite you back to watch one of our fellow comics bomb. Uh, and it was just like, oh, Jay, stop that. Yeah. You know, that's... That's so that time, the, the, when we did the Super Bowl spot, what, two or three years ago, you all hadn't, like, communicated no. in years and years no. and years. Was That's that good. awkward for you? No, it was great, because uh, as he and I discussed then, our way of life at the comedy store... Yes. ...is exactly the way you would think it would be for a group of comics. It was uh, tinged with uh, sarcasm and ugliness and insult, but everybody loved it. We thrived on it. Yeah. We could call each other names. We could steal each other's jokes. We could make fun of each other's girlfriends and this and that and this and that. You take that out of the comedy store and all of a sudden, oh my God, it's civil war. We can't believe it. But the truth of it is, the way Jay and I have behaved toward each other is the way comics tend to behave toward one another. Got it. David Letterman met his wife, Regina, when she was a production manager for his show. They were together for 23 years and already had a five-year-old son when they were married by a justice of the peace in Montana. So have there been times when you were saying coming into this building, it's a big, it is an ego trip to have your name on the building, but have there been times when your ego got the best of you, Dave? 
Oh, all the, t all the time. I think uh, all the time. I, I can remember uh, uh, as a kid showing off and having the rug pulled out from under me numerous times. Mm -hmm. uh, and that stays with you. I have a very low threshold of embarrassment. And uh, th that's just the way I am. And uh, I, I don't know that there's a cure for that. I, but I think that's a Isn't good... Isn't that interesting? You have a low threshold for embarrassment, yes. yeah. yet you have no problem embarrassing other people. There you go. There you go. There you go. What is that, Dave? I don't know. You and I and my psychiatrist should get together <laughs> and we'll have a conversation on exactly that point. Yeah. Do you see a psychiatrist? Yes, I do. Regularly? Is once a week regular? <laughs> <laughs> what do you still need to figure out? Uh, oh, my goodness, Oprah. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff, okay. you know. There's a, a, a lot of stuff. What I do you still feel like you need to heal or work on? Well, I'll tell you that something. That you could share with us. Uh, for a long time, I thought I was a decent guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet, thinking that I was a decent guy, I was still capable of a behavior that didn't wasn't uh, coincidental to living mm -hmm. a decent life. Uh, and then that's what I'm working on. Mm -hmm. I... I uh, I want I want to really be the the person I believe that I was. Mm -hmm. I want to be a, a good person. I, I, I want to. What did you believe you were? I believed I was a good person, but yet I was capable of behavior inconsistent with somebody who is a good person. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can't eradicate the record, but going forward, you can not be that way again. So that's that's what I've been working on. Yeah. Are you talking about having? Uh, sex or affairs with people in your office? Is that what you're talking about? No, what I'm talking that? about stealing cars. Okay. Of course. <laughs> of course <What> is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that behavior landed David at the center of a very public sex scandal just six months after he married Regina. David came clean to his wife and his viewers, revealing on his show that over the years, he had sex with women who worked for him. Having lived through that sex scandal, I realized, wait a minute. I'm you want to get through, just to say sex scandal, Dave, you want to get through your whole life and not have the word sex scandal attached to your name. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You didn't make it. Did not make it. Mm -hmm. uh, and have no one to blame but myself. Yeah. And now, um, uh, I, feel, I feel better about myself. Uh, my relationship with my wife uh, is, is never better. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just because I want to be the person I always thought I was and probably was pretending I was. Mm -hmm. And so far, uh, it's, it's been great. It, things have been great. I, I hurt a lot of people. I have nobody to blame but myself. I'm not looking to blame anybody. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to find out why I behave the way I behave. I mean, I can only imagine what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Did you, do you have handlers? <laughs> Dave. You think this is the result of being handled? <laughs> no. Do you have handlers? I'm just saying, do your handlers come and say to you? I mean, how does that, that news come to you? That's got to well, be a bad day. Yeah. Um, I still think if you're going to have a flow chart of the responsibility for this circumstance, this sex scandal, yes. my name's at the top. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what it means, uh, but I'm taking responsibility for it. I'm trying to atone for it. And in atoning for it, you eliminate that behavior and, and apologize to the people you hurt. Going forward, there's not much more you can do. Was that one of the hardest days of your life when you're standing behind the curtain or wherever you stand before you come out, when you know you're going to now, quote, confess to the country about what has happened? Yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough. But I, I, I will tell you something that uh, 
in, in the back of my mind, uh, this give you an idea uh, the, the extent, the breadth and width of uh, what a weasel I could be. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking, yeah, maybe I can make this, uh, maybe I can get a little sympathy out of this deal here, you know. Were but, you? Yeah, yeah. I think I was probably hoping that. Rather than being the actual, the one who was guilty, mm -hmm. I thought maybe I could generate some sympathy. <laughs> so it's not, that's just awful, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know. So look, Dave, look, tell me how you came to the conclusion, because you were later, people later said that it was remarkable the way you handled it. But how did you come to the conclusion I'm gonna face the music. I'm gonna tell the truth. How was it? Was that, was that lots of people in on that discussion, or mostly was that a conversation led by you? Well, it was. You know, I, I had friends that I talked to about it, but I don't know what my choices were. Mm -hmm. What you pretend well, that it's not happening? Yeah, well, a lot of people lie. You know, a lot <laughs> of people lie. A lot of people lie oh, yeah. and say well, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, the end result so far, a work in progress. Is was all... telling Regina the hardest? Well, yeah. I would say. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a good day, but you know, here we are. Did uh, you think she'd stay with you um, through the whole thing? Don't know. wasn't Wasn't certain at the time. Wasn't certain. Wasn't certain at the time. Did uh, you have to sleep on the couch? I I slept a wide variety of places. <laughs> How did it, you make it better? I'm still trying to fix it. It hasn't gone away. It'll never go away. Mm -hmm. She's been tremendous. Uh, She's got great courage. She she's greatly intelligent, and how did you I, regain her trust? That's what I'm still doing. Okay. I'm still doing it, each and every day, in big ways and small ways, and and get the reward, of of uh, the nature of a relationship I never experienced before in my life, nor did I ever think was possible. Did did it bring you closer? Absolutely, absolutely. We went through this together. We have that in common, and uh, I'm telling you, she. Uh, it's great. My my life is is fun and and full of joy now that it uh, I only pretended at before. Wow. So how about that? How about that? Yeah, exactly. That's an Let's do one of these. Hey. hey. So, she's forgiven you. Uh, she has forgiven me. Have you forgiven you? No. No, I don't. I don't have that luxury. Mm. I have to figure out what I did, why I did it, and live with it. But I I can't forgive that behavior. You know, I, I'm at, like I said, I'm at the top of the flow chart. It's, it's my fault, everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but any, anything that pushes you in the right direction can't be such a bad thing, right? Right. Because this happened, you now are going to therapy once a week. You've opened up in ways. You just said it. That's it, Dave. Yeah, yeah. That's our whole goal That's in right. life, is That's to right. feel more joy. That's right. Would you say that as a result of this incident, yeah. you are now able to feel more joy working all, on yourself. All credit, all credit to my wife, though, because... You gotta uh, give some to yourself for working on yourself. Okay. Give it to yourself. All right, thank you, Oprah. Okay. I'll remind Regina of that. But Oprah said... <laughs> okay, so you know you have, you, you, you have had, certainly in the past, you gained a reputation for mocking celebrities during interviews. Uh, I, I don't mean to be mean, but... Yeah. I became very mindful of that and, and, and tried to, to cut back on it. But if it's laying right there, you got to take a shot. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can't let it go. That's the comedian in you. Well, yeah, if that constitutes being a comedian, yeah. Yeah. A wise ass. A wise ass. Well, like when Joaquin Phoenix comes on. Yeah. And, you know, 
I look at him and I know, he knows that I know that it's Halloween, that none of this is real. In 2009, actor Joaquin Phoenix made a bizarre appearance on The Letterman Show. He appeared to be confused and on drugs. No one knew if the whole thing was a joke, if David was in on it, or if Joaquin was really having a very public breakdown. Joaquin would later reveal that his odd behavior was all a hoax. Did you know before, though? They said, look out, Joaquin Phoenix and his buddy Ben Affleck, or Ben Affleck's brother, who's yeah. his brother? Yeah. Larry, uh, Jerry Van Affleck, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, they're doing a thing, and good luck. And so I knew that, and, and so when he came out, I just thought, well, this is like a light workout on the, on the speed bag. It was just, it was you just. Were, were you in on the joke? No. That's what everybody wants to know. No, were I, you in on the joke? I knew there was a joke, but I was not in on it. And once I looked at him, then I realized, all bets are off. Let's go to work. Because it couldn't possibly be real. And that famous line, uh, did that just come out? Yeah. Yeah, but the it was. Thanks for not being here line just came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you have fun? Oh, I loved it. I just loved it. And I got such a kick out of him because I thought, this is great. You're willing to ruin your career to come out here and, and pretend this, and I get to be a part of it. And you get to play. And uh, we get to play around, yeah. get to play. Yeah. So and there have been times when you, like, ushered apologies. I think you did an apology to Rachel Ray. You did an apology to Justin Bieber. Not an apology, but you absolutely did I thought I made Justin Bieber cry, and I felt bad about that. Uh, but I don't think I did. The kid can take a punch. I yeah. like the kid. He's, yeah. he's really pretty good. But yeah. something happened. I didn't even know what it was. And I thought, oh, geez, maybe. You forget that they're only they're 16. You know, yeah. you forget that they're he's little kids. He's now 18, but he was a kid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so here I am. You're punching on a 16-year-old. I know. It was yeah. awful. And I, f I felt awful about it. Uh, and then we were reassured that he was OK. Yeah, I saw the apology that you made to Sarah Palin's daughter. It seemed that you were genuinely apologetic there. After Sarah Palin attended a New York Yankees game with her 14-year-old daughter, Willow, David cracked a sex joke about a baseball player and the young girl. Letterman says he thought Sarah Palin was with her oldest daughter, Bristol, who made headlines when she became pregnant at age 17. Why did you apologize? Uh, I'll tell you why I apologized. I felt like Sarah Palin was somebody I wanted to continue to be able to make fun of. Mm -hmm. And I felt like if I don't apologize, if I don't sincerely express my regret, mm -hmm. I will not be able to go forward making fun of her. And truly, I felt bad for the 14-year-old. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, that was just like, oh, nice going. Uh, you got the wrong daughter. That was just a dumb luck, a, a stupid joke that fell into dumb luck and got worse. Does it bother you in general or specifically if you have hurt someone's feelings yeah. With a joke. Yeah. Does it bother you if you have hurt yes. someone's feelings? Yes, it has. Yeah. And, and many times I have called people to apologize. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did have to call and apologize to poor Paris Hilton because she says, I'll talk about anything but being in jail. Oh. And I said, well, that's all I want to talk about. <laughs> and so we, we ran it two or three questions deep, and you know, she, now she starts to do this. And I thought, oh, God, here we go. So I, I called and apologized to her. Uh, and that's just, you know, scratching the surface. <laughs> okay. We'd be here all day if we went through the list. Yeah. Right. But I do feel bad about it, but it's, uh, it's just a matter of self-control. I want to know if this is true or not. Did you actually think I was angry with you, or did it make a better joke? Uh, as far as I know, the genesis of this 
people still think we have a feud going. Yeah. Well, Do you I, want them to think that? No. I did for a while. You did. Because it was it was great for me. When we when I would bait you about coming on the show. Yeah, for 80, Oh, big laughs, everybody. Oh, for 82 look at that. days straight you did. Yeah. How did this start, actually? The you know, I feud? think it was it was one time we were coming to do the show in Chicago. Yes. And I called you, I'll never forget this. I got you on the phone and uh, you 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 barked at me and you said, Oh well. The least you could have done was called me on a, a hard line. Yeah. So I thought, oh, I no. I barked at you. Yeah. I said, oh, I no. I barked at you. I said, oh, no. I've, or, I, I didn't even get beyond hello, and I've pissed her off. So then I said, uh, Oprah, we're doing... A show in Chicago. Chicago. Oh, we would love for you to be on the show. Huh. I am totally out of town. I am totally out of town. So, and, and so that's what, in my mind, that's where it was. Let me tell you what my memory is. Would you like to hear mine? Yes. Okay. You had asked me before to do you in Chicago, and I did you in Chicago. It's on record. I did you in Chicago, and it was a terrible experience for me. It was a terrible experience. The guy in the audience started yelling, get her, Dave, and you were sort of baiting the audience, and there were a bunch of drunk guys down the front, and I was trying to, like, you know, mitigate the whole thing, and it felt so uncomfortable to me that I didn't want to have that experience again. That's really all it was for me. Yeah. I just didn't want to be well, in that in I, uncomfortable experience. I understand experience. completely, and I apologize because... You it, don't even have to apologize. It never registered to me that that would be offensive, nor do I remember the episode. You don't. Pe people have speculated... Because you were just doing what you do. Right. Yeah. But... You were using the moment, and the guys yeah. were all going, get but, her. But and... I didn't I didn't know... Uh, but, of course, that would be hurtful. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you're here now. <laughs> Honestly, honest God, you don't need that. <laughs> No, it was just, and even over the years when you were doing the Oprah Come on the Show, Gail, who, you know, best friend, and uh, was saying, you should do it, you should do it. I go, you were not in that mm -hmm. room. You did not feel well, what I felt. Well, I'm more than embarrassed, and I'll bet if I had the courage to go look at that videotape, it, it would sicken me, and I'm, and I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Well, don't be. Well, I am. I am sorry okay. for that experience. Okay. Um, but that's what it was for me. Okay. And it wasn't about you. Right, well, let's it was just, a, let's just forget that. Make up. Thank you. I hope we can put this behind us, Oprah. Let us do it, Dave. Right, okay. Is it done? As far as I am. Done. Yeah. Done. done. So yeah. how did having a son shift you? Did it shift something inside you? It, it, uh, or am I making that up? No, you're not making it up. Yeah. And I feel stupid talking about it because how many people are there on the planet? Seven, seven billion? Yeah, seven so, billion. So everybody goes through that. Uh, but it happens that that switch is thrown, uh, and the window opens up in your heart, and the sun shines in. And I know that's corny, mm -hmm. uh, but there's no turning that off. And mm -hmm. it it exists today, and uh, it'll exist till the day I drop dead. For By the way, I'm having chest pains now. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing. That's not true, right? <laughs> no, but you're the first one to check. <laughs> I, I've done that before, and nobody's bothered to check. <laughs> That's not true, right? Because we can stop tape if that is the case. I've read about your struggle with depression. Yeah. Do you still get depressed? I never knew what depression was. I knew what, oh, I'm kind of sad today. Oh, I'm kind of blue today. Oh, geez, the red's lost. I knew that. Mm -hmm. This, I'm telling you, is you get on an elevator and the bottom drops out. And you, 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 you can't stand looking at the sunlight. Uh, you, you can't wait to get back in bed at night. Uh, you, you, you're shaking. You're, you're shivering. And I went through this for about six months. 
and oh my God. How were you able to work every day being depressed? I, I just pushed through it. Pushed through it. I had to push through it. Could you uh, be funny? Well, as funny as you can when you're depressed, but mm -hmm. uh, it's a sinkhole. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and people who have gone through it know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a sinkhole and you think you're not coming out of it. You really think you're not coming out of it. Uh, I was amazed by it. I was amazed by the chemical mechanism in your brain that can just drop you like that. Just, I mean, just are, really drop you. In the you. abyss. Yes, in the yes. Abyss. And then somebody told me, they said, you know what? We're, we're given these chemicals, uh, these serotonins and whatever else, dopamine and so forth, because if we didn't have them, the world would scare the crap out of us. Absolutely. So I, I, I get that. I, yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it, when I was depressed, it, it made sense. Did it also bring to you a sense of compassion for other people who've been through it? Did yep. it make you more compassionate? Yep, yeah. yep because I always thought, oh, you're depressed. Go do some push-ups. You'll feel much better. Yeah. But it's not that. It's not that. Yeah. Okay. I have to ask you this. You always remember it for the top ten list. Will you finish this sentence? The number one reason David Letterman has the extraordinary life that he has is number one reason. I'm missing a chromosome. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you've had to, Dave. I know you've had these moments where you've been introspective. <laughs> yeah. Where you just say, wow, look at my life. This is, this is a really huge, extraordinary life right. I've created for myself. And the reason this has all happened to me is? Well, I, I don't know. I, you know, I can't, uh, I'll need counsel to finish this. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, Regina and I have this conversation from time to time. And the, the, the thing, here's what I've taken away from this with Regina. Yes. We'll go down this road and she'll say, think about this. Yeah. Uh, 30 years, 30 plus years, you've given jobs to all these people. Yes. And so I think, yeah, all right. I'll take that. That's good. I'm proud of that. I'm very proud of that. Yes. And that's as far as it goes. Let's get lunch. Let's get lunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fun. That was fun, Dave. Yeah, it was fun. It was I enjoyed fun. that. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.